Okay, Daniel, United managed to not blow a lead, which was quite impressive for once, even when bringing Harry Maguire on. Yes, I thought that actually the way they saw that saw that out wasn't bad. No, they had they had to defend the box more than I would have liked them to, but with a good side saying well, and they did defend the box pretty well, I would say. Yep, just the one. What was it? Tyrone Mings header at the end. Sort of almost got on it, but barely a chance for the last sort of fifteen minutes. Even Harry managed to not fuck anything up. It was pretty good for him. So I feel like Lindelof is obviously better without him. He played well today, and he's played well since he came into the team. I'm I'm not sure he is capable of playing well enough for the cup final to be something we would want him to be playing in. But hopefully, he should be adequate between now and then. Yeah. Unclear whether Varane will be back in time for that or not. I thought we'd been told by Tenach that he was. All right, hopefully. But then, but he would be, but then if if Lindelof has played every game until then, yeah, is he going to drop that? Is he going to bring Varane in having not played? Not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's possible, isn't it? Lindelof and Shaw, they're, they're both decent. I, I thought the problem on Wednesday... Wednesday, Thursday against Spurs was more the midfield not stopping Spurs from taking quite so many shots rather than the actual just not defenders. existing, just not existing. Yeah. So, so on that point, do you think that was why he played Zabitzer, not Anthony today? Yeah, might have been. Yeah, just a bit more tight in midfield, give Casemiro a bit of help. I mean, he was much better today, Casemiro, and I wonder whether just having that extra support and him not having to cover. Every blade of grass is is helpful for him. I think also he's a bit old now. It takes him longer to get back into the swing of things. We've seen this a few times, but this time it took him slightly longer and he had been complete arse since coming back. Mm. But um, he obviously hadn't, hasn't forgotten to play football in that period. And he was, yeah, I agree, he was much better today. The passing was back. He was actually contributing going mm. forward as well and seemed to be enjoying himself more. Felt like the first game or two, he was almost scared of getting sent off again. Well, we wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's, he got he managed to get himself get sent off a, a couple of not not the worst tackles slash tickle around the face you've ever seen. So he was probably alone. But of himself. we've seen people we see people getting away with similar and worse. Yeah. Anyway, so much, for him much to better. get it twice. Yes. And, um, and overall, I thought you know, I mean, especially the first half. Decent, right? Pretty fluent. It's obviously more of a box midfield, not really any width as such, but allows United to have quite a bit of control against the Villa side that has barely conceded a goal since February 1 8 of their last 10. You know, this is a good Villa side against my Emery coach side, and we obviously know a lot about him and just how well they defend. They don't concede many goals. Emery size Villa don't concede many goals. It was always going to be tight. The cliche is true that the points count more than the performances right now, and that was enough. I mean, you know, probably probably only need nine points from from and probably less from the final six games. I mean, it's almost there, isn't it? Sort of. I mean, I think it is nine that they need, but but Liverpool are on a streak and they do have easy games. And it's not beyond the realms of possibility. We will need to get nine points. But if they can't make nine points out of what there is, that would be yeah. an absolutely tremendous collapse. I mean, that said, 
I would take the FA Cup, take beating City in the Cup final over top four any day of the week, whether you can have to think about that for a second. I want to play in the Champions League, but the chance to beat City at Wembley with City going for a treble, that, that doesn't come around very often. And neither does the absolute fucking humiliation of losing to them in that circumstance. Whereas I've seen a lot of Champions League qualifications. And yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd do without that to beat City in the cup final. Unfortunately, that's then, not yeah, a that's... binary choice. And, and it's probably more likely we'll beat City in the cup final if we are actually playing well over the next few games. I thought you were going to say, and it, it could all go wrong. We could lose in the cup final and get picked top four quite, by Liverpool. Yeah, quite possible. I mean, that would be horrendous, wouldn't it? I mean, the best Liverpool could make that is would, 71 points. So, and 71 points in most seasons would get you into the Champions League. It, it won't do this year, I don't think. I think we'll, we'll just about do it. And, and, and the victory over Villa has pretty much seen off Villa. Spurs obviously losing again. I don't think they're the worry anymore. So, really, is Liverpool... And that means United had to lose three of the next six. I guess it could happen. Brighton's definitely a losable game next. Not many of the but others. It's not just lose because draws. They need. They need. They need. I mean, it looks like there are two games. A couple of the games that you would definitely expect them to win. You expect them to beat Bournemouth. Yeah. And I can't remember. There's one other game. I can't remember who it is. <laughs> you look at them and think they'll definitely win that one, and that'd be six. So you would then expect three more points to come from, from somewhere else. But yeah, it would be it would be an effort to muck it up from here. But it's just that thing that we get every time they've had the opportunity to put it almost beyond doubt, they fucked up. And Tottenham was the latest opportunity. Yeah. If they beat Tottenham, then it would be very very hard to mess it up from here, almost impossible. But it is still there's just that lingering possibility. But they're playing all right. They're they they're not scoring as many goals as they should, but they're they're playing okay. That's I right. Malassia played much better today. He was pretty unsure himself against Spurs, wasn't he? And and he looked, yeah, a bit more confident today. I mean, United didn't create tons of chances. There was a good effort for what was Marcus Rashford first fifteen minutes or so. Was it Casemiro hit one against the post? Forgetting now. Bar, I think. Bar, bar. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Casemiro hit. Casemiro hit the bar. Anthony had a bit of a chance in the second half. There was, but they played. They played some nice football. There were some good situations there, and the goal I thought was a really good finish. Obviously, Martinez should have done better with it, but the presence of mind to be able to swivel and to get the, enough lift on it to get it to hit the defender and to whip it like that made it really difficult for the keeper to save. Thought it was it was a it wasn't as easy a finish as it looked, mm-hmm. and that guy is a fucking footballer. What, Emi Martinez? <laughs> Bruno Fernandes? No. <laughs> he's, a fucking, he's a fucking something else. Um, he certainly Bruno is, Fernandes yeah. No, he is, uh... is, a, is really, really is a footballer. And he's um, he's, certainly, he's coming to his own, hasn't he, last few weeks? I thought he was decent against he's Spurs. Been, he's been great, playing well. Great before that and good today, yeah. He's had a brilliant season and he's, he's he, he is improving, though. He's still improving. Mm. And... Is that I don't I don't agree that that Bruno doesn't work on the right. I don't like him there because I think you want him in the middle involved in the play more. But if you play him on the right, there will be occasions where he'll do good stuff because he's not someone who the game tends to pass by, and he will always try to do good stuff. So in the course of ninety minutes, if Bruno Fernandes is playing on the right wing, he will probably do some good stuff because he's a good player. So you can get away with it as we got away with it today. I I think. 
the sacrifice like partly to give Anthony a rest because he has played almost all the games recently, although mm-hmm. doesn't seem to complete them very often. But but yeah, I think that just to have an extra man in that midfield, and then you, it, when, if you've got that extra man in midfield, then you've got create you got still got creativity from Casemiro and Zabas, so they're not just runners. Mm-hmm. Plus, you've got Sancho, and then you've got Rashford and Bruno. You would expect to be able to get the ball into the goal somehow. <laughs> yeah, and it meant United didn't get overrun in central midfield. They always had an extra man in there, and I think that was pretty important given what had happened on on Thursday night in the second half. And, and Bruno creates chances from anywhere. It's definitely not where he's going to create the most chances from the right, but he does. I, mean, I was just looking, he's is it expected assists, whether you think that's a genuine stat or not. Is higher than Kevin De Bruyne's. He's got half the number of assists. I mean, it, it, like as a really reductive point, United really need a goal scorer. Yeah, if he had the striker, yeah. yeah, if he had the striker, his numbers would be absolutely stratospheric. They would, and rightly so. Like he, he makes goals happen in a way that not very many footballers I've seen have. I mean, he's almost like in some ways the most. I haven't really thought about this before. The person I've most obviously compared him to maybe is Frank Lampard. And they're not similar necessarily in the way they do it, but the ability to make goals happen under pressure regularly whilst running about a lot is in some ways quite similar. I mean, I Mm. think he's a bit of a deft, smoother technician than Lampard, Mm -hmm. but he's obviously not now delivering the goals that Lampard is because he's he's got to do more other stuff. But yeah, that's... Yeah, the idea that there are still people that think that Ten Hag would prefer to get rid of him and he's some kind of liability, and I, I do see this on the internet more than I would think it would be possible, is just some of the maddest shit in the <laughs> world. And if we just pause for a moment to consider how mad the world is, and I genuinely, I mean it, that the sentient beings are able to watch United, and this isn't not think Bruno could do this better or that person could do that better, but not see an incredibly well-rounded, intelligent, gifted footballer with leadership and attitude mm. and bronco and fuck you. And not think this guy is just an absolutely tremendous piece of work is absolutely beyond me that anyone would think that. And also just the fact that apart, he does do a lot of whining on the pitch, but actually he seems like quite a sound bloke, I think. And he pisses off opposition fans. I mean, really... This is a very significant package of all the things almost that I that I want a United United footballers to be. His haircut is shit though. He, he's the full package for sure. But if you if you interrogate the internet, he has a full package. He, I mean, I I am prepared to believe that. I like to think <laughs> that that is true. I've not consulted Miss Fernandez on that particular subject. He uh, he's no fuck out though. I am pretty sure of that. Um, uh, as if he's like strutting about that changing room, brandishing it like a lightsaber, <laughs> then I I have no problem with that. And yeah, that awesome. Yeah, I'm now going to assume that that's the case. Great. There, if you consult the internet, people will have an opinion on whatever mad shit you can possibly think of. Just if you can imagine it, there's some bloke out there with that opinion, especially when it comes to football. So I. Uh, Take all of that with a pinch of salt, but clearly very important to United. Ten Hag has said so a lot. He's a big fan. He, he picks him in every so. game. He picks him in every game. He's United. He plays every game. Would you? <laughs> yeah. So the other players 
in the team. I thought James Sancho did all right actually this time out. I mean, he he he's still not like the really direct proactive footballer. I guess we'd like to see where he really makes things happen. He's he's still around the edges of all of that, but some signs of him being all right for 80 minutes or so. Ericsson did his usual hour of very good stuff and then started to fade. It's uh... also Ericsson's hair though. Can we just do a brief moment on that? Like he's cause he's, he's at that point where he's got like the hole in the middle of the head, but yeah, yeah. he's still going to the barber and asking for a haircut. That suge- like, that isn't just like yeah. cut it all the same thing. Like he's actually going and having a haircut that is now arranged around this sort of pond in the middle of his head. But on Sancho, the thing about him, I think, is that, I mean, we, we couldn't get rid of him even if we wanted to because of the wages he's on, I imagine. Yeah. The but if we have him around, if we have him around, he'll do good stuff. We just don't know when he's going to do it. And he'll do it. Sometimes it'll be when you want it and other times you'll want something and it won't happen. And we're never going to know. He's not someone at the moment we can trust in particularly high pressure, high pressurised environment. And I agree with what you said that Sometimes he gets the ball in the box and he wants to take it one more. And it feels like it's not that he, he it feels a bit more like indecision that he thinks because he's so good on tight in tight spaces, it feels like he thinks he can beat one more man. And if he does, then he'll have a perfect shooting lane. Whereas sometimes you've just got to get it away. You've just got to get it hit and then take it from there. But yeah, there's this, there's this lack of a lack of conviction in a lot in a lot of what he does. But he's got so much talent that he can still do stuff sometimes despite it. And two tremendous snot rockets when he got subbed. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Claire would have been proud. No, no, I was really focusing on, but uh, yeah. It, it, it'll be an interesting Pretty one. Where is he's, he's got he's a complete player. Yeah, that's he's right. He's interested in all, part, in all parts of the package. You, you want goals, assists, and a big load of phlegm on the Old Trafford turf, right? He, 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 I mean, look, it's it's touch and go whether he would be in your first eleven for the it's cup not final. So, oh, for the cup final. I thought you were going to say in general. And that is well, it's him or Martial, isn't it? And in some ways, yeah. In some ways, they're, they're the, it's the same thing. The reason why I would want them or didn't or would, wouldn't want them, the reasons are very similar. They're quite. They feel like quite. I don't know if they're similar personalities, but the aspects of their personality that mean they're not the footballer that they should be seem not dissimilar in some ways. Mm. Right. I mean, Garnacho is around for the cup final now. Yeah, when he's not off producing sprogs. He, yeah, he's not going to the Under-20 World Cup. I didn't realise United had a choice on that one. I, I assumed it was a yeah, me neither. FIFA mandate, but apparently not an underage or age group tournament. So. When, when it's not, when it's during the season. I mean, I... I totally understood, I guess, why he wanted to play for Argentina if, as we were told, he did. And it actually seemed kind of weird that under 20 level, you couldn't just say, you know what, fuck it, fly back to the FA Cup final. You've got a place in the squad. You might lose your place in the team, whatever. You have to miss a game. But it didn't feel like that because ordinarily, you kind of want him to play in that, I think, because he hasn't played so much this season that it would be a problem for him to play through the summer. And just that kind of thing is probably good for his development and good for his confidence because the chances are he'd go good. But he's someone who it sort of feels might become quite annoying at some point. 
We'll see. He signed a new contract, so we got him for another five years, which is good. I don't know how large the wages are there and, and whether it was it. I presume it is a pretty large bump over his youth team wages, but he has, to some extent, earned that new contract. He's totally earned it. Yeah. He's, a, he's, he's, he's affected the outcome of games that United have won that they would not have won without him. And he's done it in very little time and in great style. Uh, he's, we don't know, you don't, don't know how it's going to go from here because the mental side is so important and we don't know that enough about him. But he has composure at high speed and under high pressure. So he looks like he's someone who's going to be a good player. But yeah, I mean, who knows if it will, if that will be the case or if it will always be for United. But definitely the signs of the kind of player he might be are, are really good. Yeah, and I mean, it's yeah, important that he signed that new contract. Otherwise, there'd be a lot of murmurs about him leaving. Obviously, we'll see if he gets really good. That that may well be on the cards anyway, but he'll be around for a while. Yeah, he's going to need some game time before that cup final. He wasn't, I don't think he was on the bench today. Or I mean, in the cup no. final, with that space behind John Staines, when John Staines goes yeah. wandering into midfield, particularly late doors, that is something that you would think he is quite well-placed to exploit. And one thing that is good about what we've seen recently is Big Vout is conspicuous by his absence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a while since he started, after starting every game. I mean, it's it's funny like that with Tenaf, isn't it? That he just blows hot and cold on players. We didn't see him at tea for ages. Now Fred never plays. Yeah, well, he got 15 minutes today, which wasn't too chaotic. It was an absolute disaster class against Spurs, wasn't it? It just came on, gave the ball away every, pretty much every touch. He, yeah, he seemed to have been frozen out for him being on that reason. corner at the end. Yeah. Oh man, I like. It wasn't as bad as when he was on that free kick at City when just when Bruno after in that cup in that League Cup game where Bruno just signed but didn't play and they get a free kick but it's just it's so perfect for Matter just like just outside the box where because any further you feel like his little legs can't kick it far enough to get to the goal but it was just like really around the edge of the box in perfect position for Matter and they let Fred have it have it because he'd been on absolute flames in training or something and it's just. Yeah, that was, it's not power for matter, but it's just one of those little decisions that you see them do it and you think, what on earth are you doing? <laughs> also, yeah, like Bruno winning the toss against Villarreal, asking to take penalties second. Also, just bonkers. Beyond belief. Beyond yeah. belief that you would take that decision at that time. Yeah, well, sometimes uh, you get information. I forgot about that player. grudge. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, always, it's always good to remember, remember a grudge. Oh, there we go. Maybe this could be a new spot. Grudge of the week. I, I, I can't remember whether we talked about it, but Cup semi-final penalties where Dave, every single one, inspected his water bottle, which had instructions. Not quite sure what it said, but dive out of the way appeared to be what the Diving out were. of the way of them. Because the thing is, is like some of the penalties, like against Villarreal, obviously they, they scored whatever it was, was it 12 penalties or something. Yeah, something like and, that. Yeah. But there was only one that it felt like he could have stopped really or should have stopped. And yet the sense that someone else might have somehow found a way of stopping more. But players are just becoming much better at taking penalties. We're seeing way more shootouts that are going past five. We're not seeing so many of United Sunderland. Was it 2-1 in the League Cup that time? Yeah, particularly special but, that one was. Yeah, And even Fletcher's one that went in wasn't good. But that did actually save us losing that competition to City in Wembley. So it wasn't it wasn't bad, I don't think, in the long run. But 
yeah, players are, players are getting good at penalties now. And to Lindelof's credit, I knew he was going to score. And I said to the mate next to me, I'm not remotely nervous that he will miss this. And they did take generally some quite good penalties. So, yeah. Do you think, talking of penalties, do you think Rashford should have had one for the... the uh, what? It's, it's ha- just... Hefty shoving his back. It's <laughs> <laughs> just... It is so nuts, that. And I say like that with the caveat. The caveat that I always make is that a penalty is too harsh a punishment for almost every single offence you see on a football pitch for which a penalty is awarded. And this is the problem, much more so than the decision-making process. Every decision is played with so much importance because roughly, I think, 80% of penalties are scored. Right about. So what you're doing is you're, you're awarding someone a goal and you're sitting there stopping the game backwards, forwards, looking, is it this, is it that? And the reason is because a penalty is a harsh punishment. And like a punishment, like you shouldn't get an 80% chance of a goal for that rational situation. It should be a free kick inside the box direct and any offense that takes away a goal scoring opportunity outside the box should be a penalty anywhere on the pitch goal scoring opportunity penalty that's just what i think but the rashford one so in my rule if in my laws that would not be a penalty but in the laws of association football <laughs> as exists today for the referee and then some other people to look at that and say that isn't a penalty is absolutely mind-boggling that it's not a clear and obvious error out of penalty. Because the problem now also yeah. with the clear and obvious error, aside from what I said a few weeks ago about adding an extra layer of subjectivity to something that's already subjective as to whether what constitutes a penalty in the first place, then do we overturn what the referee's done because it's clear and obvious? So different subject, different people, an extra layer of subjectivity. But the thing about it now, I think, is that you have referees thinking, well, I'm not going to deploy the nuclear weapon. I'm not going to give a penalty here because I've got a VAR to rely on. And now, if it's a penalty, VAR will just say it's a penalty and then I give a penalty. Yeah. Yeah, but they won't... VAR VAR won't always give them. (laughs) And and, and the bar for turning over is is really high. So, yes, I mean, I think we saw that in Test Cricket as well, like with the... And it works better. It works much better in Test Cricket. But umpires, more willing to go to the, the TV umpire than they might otherwise have been. And and I'm sure that's true in football and the referees. Are like, so, but easier because we're dealing. I mean, we should be dealing in matters of fact in football too. Some of the mm-hmm. time, cricket is easy because you're dealing in, mat- in matters of fact. So it's much easier for an umpire to say, "Do you know what? I'm not going to make a pro- I'm not going to make a positive decision here. I'm going to say sure, not yeah. out." Yeah. And then if it's miles out, then the tech will save me. And if it isn't, then it doesn't really matter. Umpires call it's a legitimate error for the umpire to make because it's that and. But we're still dealing with matters of fact, whereas in football, you can see something back and one referee could think it was a penalty and another one might not. Mm-hmm. But that one today, I mean, I just, I don't know. Yeah, anyone, someone who couldn't see could see that was a penalty. I mean, I don't know. Well, a couple of minutes was... later, I can't remember which Villa player it was, or United player it was, sorry, shoved a Villa player over, maybe Malaysia. And the free kick was given. I was like, hmm, hang on a minute. Well, what's the difference here? But yeah, I mean, back back to the clear and obvious. So, it, I mean, it seems clear and obvious to me that what a VAR should be is a little voice inside the referee's head saying, hang on a minute, mate. You've made a rick here. Go look at it again. And and the, the decision still stays with the referee, but he gets a second go at it by going to look at the monitor if it's a, a close call. But they don't really do that and that's why you get a situation like this which is which seemed fairly obvious 
but not obvious just, enough. Yeah, it just didn't. It just looked right. It just looked like a penalty. It's just like it's just hard to see how how you could fathom that wasn't a penalty. I don't know, but again, like if we don't win that game, it's not because we didn't get that penalty because we have plenty of time to not concede goals, which we didn't. But also plenty of time to create more scoring opportunities, which we also didn't do. So it's never it's never the rest fault, but. It can be irritating to watch a game of football and just have no idea what the decision is going to be. Even after you have a perfect idea of what happens, you still don't know what the decisions are going to be. And VAR has accentuated that because they keep showing it backwards and forwards. We're not allowed to move on. So we have, and that is not making football more enjoyable to watch. No, I mean, on the uh, the lack of chances, I mean, 14 shots today, but only six of them inside the box, something like that. Just didn't create a lot of really good chances. United, it's uh, it's normally, it's not, I think, I suppose we had 19 or something like that. It's, it's normally United creating a lot of chances and being wasteful with it. I think that speaks a lot to just how tight Villa have become under Emery. They yeah. are a well, very well-organised side. He's got players who weren't playing well, like Mings, Playing well now, sort of had a revival, and 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 Ollie Watkins scoring goals. Jacob Ramsey's been excellent. Probably get a call up to the England squad next time out. So he's, yeah, he's not had to bother. With, he's not had to bother with Coutinho because I don't know he's dead or something. Coutinho, I'm not sure what's happened to him. He's just not a particularly good player. He never was. He was always like he was capable of doing really good things. But as part of a cohesive team, he's sort of a poor man's Bruno, I would say, Coutinho. He's Bruno without the the work ethic, the, the old, at least like the engine. And without, yeah, without doing, he can't do all the other stuff Bruno does, but he can do, yeah, he can make goals happen. But he doesn't do a whole lot else. And as I said last week, I think there's just that Stephen thing where Stephen couldn't work out who to play and he couldn't work out what formation to play them in. So... But now a manager has come in who has decided what he's going to do. And it took him a while, but he's sort of got results while he was doing it as well. He's now, he's, he's got a team that he plays that know how to play. And there was always loads of good players in that squad. I mean, they spent an absolute load of money on that squad. They, I mean, they really did, yeah. And they'll probably get rewarded with some form of European football. I mean, it might be the Conference League, could be the Europa with Spurs dropping like a stone. So, I mean... Good, good for Emery. He knows how to win that competition, I guess. I guess that's about it on Villa. And any other final thoughts? I mean, apart from important three points. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a really good win. And just good for them to, good for them to see that out. And I, I think, I mean, I, they, sh- they should be all right for the top for the top four. But yeah, it's annoying that it isn't sorted yet, and just about preparing for the cup final. But at the same time, it's sort of good to have games that mean something because. That is good preparation for the cup final. All right. The other big thing that happened today was a protest before the game. It was well planned, right in the midst of the takeover talk, third round bids. I don't know when it became rounds of things in corporate MA, but third round bids were put in. On Friday, there's a lot of conflicting reports, but if you read between them, there seems to be some agreement that the the structure of the two main bids, the Ineos bid and the the Qatari state bid, the Qatari's looking to buy out the whole thing, and it looks like Ineos are, are looking for a 
majority but not full ownership um well i think it just depends what the glazers will take in that aspect i think yeah. that if they would sell everything to, to ratcliffe he might do it but he probably thinks that keeping dickhead and dickhead on board to keep milking the club might be something that will get it across the line for him I, it appears to be a point of negotiation with them which would would say the other private equity backed sort of structured equity i debt bids are still in play too because they'll they, they would also give the glazers or joel and avram marut to remaining part of the club why they'd want to i don't know just take the money and run i mean it's what are they going to do they they no party is going to come in unless it's basically effectively a debt backed play from some private equities, no, no, like private bid is going to come in and take a minority stake in the club because they would have no say in how anything is run. And if you look at like 18 years of Glazer ownership, you cannot say they run this club well. And it's certainly not financially. Uh, the, uh, the stock price propped up only by the bidding process right now. Otherwise, it'd be down at 12 again. So anyway, I, I guess that's where we are. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting, a lot of conjecture online. I mean, obviously, there's a few sort of now popular protest groups who've done very well to organise fans who've sort of had a say in this, other, but not really. That's... I mean, it's not always clear what we're protesting. Well, I mean, we want the Glazers out, right? This is part of the bidding process. They're going to be Except out. Except not. <laughs> so... I mean, of course, I want, I want them out of United, but I don't want them out of United at any cost. I don't want them out of United in order to swap them for state ownership. Right. And Ratcliffe with the Glazers still milking it a little bit because I guess they think that if someone else is going to come in and invest and they've got the right manager, then there's probably some money that they haven't yet had that they can have. So I think it would be about that. And even though their stewardship of the club has been horrendous, it's not totally beyond the realms that they fucking like having owner of Manchester United on their business well, I cards. think that's I... probably more like it because they could go take their. What would they each make from a sale? Five hundred million each, each of the siblings, who take away the debt and what they don't own already. So, go off and take that, invest in something else. They'd make more money for sure. I mean, Ratcliffe has previously said that he would not be paying dividends, so they're not hanging around for dividends. Twenty percent of like twenty million. Like, are they going to hang around for four million pounds a year? You'd certainly get a lot more than that sticking your 500 million into a any kind of fund. So it doesn't make any sense from a financial point of view. It's got to be about ego if they really want to stay on board. And then for what? Are we going to have Joel, like, as President Emeritus, some kind of, like, honorary title? Maybe he wants a statue at the Stratford End. Yeah. I yeah, it's I mean, yeah, it's still I'm sure there's I'm sure there's ego involved, but I guess Ratcliffe with the Glazers still being involved is suboptimal. But for me personally, it is so many factors of magnitude orders of magnitude better than Cata that it will feel because for me, like once it's owned by a state, not that I think we're ever getting it back, but once we owned by a state, then it literally exists to serve the interests of that state. Yeah. And if Ratcliffe is buying it for legacy, i.e. ego, then 
he's still he's buying it to serve the interests of himself, but the interests of himself and United are, are aligned. More likely aligned. Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. Um, I mean, I said something similar on Twitter the other day. I, it, the the banners do say we want our club back, but it is not your club if it's owned by a a state for as a foreign policy tool and. You still have the you can still have the emotional attachment. I'm not telling anyone how they should support this club, but it's it's no longer a sporting institution in the way that it once was. If it's if it's used in that manner, it's not obvious no, that that's going to happen in the way that I it's in just PR. kind of assume. Yeah, the PR yeah. tool is a soft power play. I mean, I think we all assumed that at some point the Qataris would just go, "Well, money's meaningless, save for we need to give the impression that." This is not a state bid, so we can't just come in and drop bi- billions more than everyone else, even though clearly it's a country. So. Yeah, right. So there's, but I think we just assumed that even if they're playing this game to give some kind of plausible deniability and pretend that this, this guy is fronting it on his own, that they would come in just with piles more cash than anyone else. And that hasn't happened so far. It doesn't mean it won't. Of course, it still may be part of some kind of galaxy braining going on here, but, but I was kind of surprised. I mean, not that it's definitely not a surprise that a minority bidder, like majority minority, like not full control, with with the Ineos bid, isn't. It's not a surprise that they are valuing the club at a higher rate because that is quite typical. If if you are buying only a portion of a company to to add an additional premium as an incentive. So that's not a surprise. The surprise is the Qataris haven't gone well. It's seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever. Pick a number because it's completely meaningless. I guess also when you're like people that property developers, when they buy properties, they don't want to be in an auction against people that want it to live in it. Because the people that want it to live in it will always go a bit further because there's an emotional attachment. They want it for a home. They don't want it just in order to be able to convert it into money. And perhaps that's it with Radcliffe as well, because whilst I don't think he's a good guy, particularly, he, the end game is just owning United. That's it. Like he wants to own United to feel good about himself, to feel like he saved United, and it's that that's the end game for him. Mm-hmm. It's not. There's not. It's not. It's not beyond that. So he maybe is prepared to put more into it and give up more than Qatar are, because for Qatar, it's in order to then. Is in order to achieve connections, cachet, weight for Qatar or whatever. Yeah. And United aren't the only forum doing that. Whereas Jim Ratcliffe, United for Jim Ratcliffe, I mean, obviously he's owned other football clubs, trying to play Chelsea, but United is the only, the only way you can own United is by owning United. Yeah. And so he's yeah. sort of more like that end user, which is like, I don't know if that's a torch analogy or not even a particularly revealing analogy, but I just spent five minutes pontificating about it. But <laughs> it is that, it's that, end, yeah, because he's an end user, he's probably yeah. prepared to give up a little bit more because Qatar's aim ultimately is not ownership of Manchester United, it's ownership of Manchester United in order to. And yes. Ratcliffe's in order to is, is that, is, is ownership of United. It's legacy. In yeah, order to own United. That, that's right. And I, I, again, just speculating here, but it seems that there's more emotional bidding from Ratcliffe than than I thought would have been typical of him because he's known, was known from his his private equity days and through all the acquisitions they made as Ineos as a, as a value investor, right? Not paying a penny more than he thought a company was worth, but clearly already quite a lot of pennies more than United are worth as any kind of nominal enterprise value. 
So it's clearly emotional with him. And and for the Qataris, well, yeah, instead of spending six billion on United, they could spend six billion buying up all sorts of other sports if, if sport is their route into the kind of soft power that they want. Obviously, the Premier League is extremely effective, but they, they could go off and buy a golf tour or Formula One or or an IPL franchise or whatever, right? There are, there are similar routes to, to having that kind of global connections. There's no love there. Whereas Jim Ratcliffe feels that emotional connection to United, whereas for them, it's the emotional connection to Qatar that makes United the useful thing for them. That's right. I, I mean, I'm sure Shen Yassin is the big red, really. Do, does he even exist? I'm a shirt for Denzel. We've never seen him. Apart from the two like headshot photos that have been released, it's like do you know what that reminds me of. It's like in season one of The Wire, when Lester is trying to find Avon Barksdale, and he eventually finds him on a Golden Gloves poster, right? Like or like some kind of like has it got some kind of some kind of boxing poster when Avon was younger? Yeah, that's and Lester finds him. But yeah, it's a bit like that. Just I mean, it's just the whole thing is a, obviously a total nonsense, but. The, the performance of the charade is just one of the, everyone knows what it is. But it just, it, I have been sort of in my mind trying to turn over what I do of Catapult United because it just is, and I know I said a few weeks ago that I was told that Elliot thought they were going to do the deal. Yep. I've actually subsequently heard that the Glazers just aren't going to sell. And I'm not repeating that because it's some nonsense that I heard. I haven't repeating it because... If I could tell you where where it comes from, you would say oh, I can understand why you're repeating that. I can't, but the, the Glazers just weren't going to sell. But perhaps Ratcliffe is that bridge that might encourage them to sell because yeah, they can yeah, keep yeah. selling, and as we said, they still have whatever it is United is giving them to some extent. But I have been bracing myself for the worst to happen. The worst to happen for me being Cater, and I don't know. I mean, I don't really engage too much with Ratcliffe because. Compare that. Like, I don't think that Ratcliffe is great at all, but it's a lot better because it, it doesn't feel like the end for me. For yeah, me personally, I, I, I think that's right. I mean, I, you know, I I think many people who are willing to push back against state ownership ask themselves the same question, right? What what does it what does it mean to be a fan of a state club when you know that you are the the useful idiot, yeah, weaponized by the state for the purposes of the state? Right? You look at what has happened to City in Newcastle. And I can behave like that. I also, I also have some kind of platform to get that message, or we have this platform to get that message out, as small as it is in in terms of you know global scale of the billion odd United fans that are out there and all the noise that's on the internet. So, um, do we get two billion downloads last week? Yeah, two, two billion. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That, that like if 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 you don't have one point one billion. Fans, so we can have two billion downloads, no problem. All, all, pe- all, all uh, any sponsors who would like to reach two billion people. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> all right, I guess that's it. We may get a preferred bidder next week, and things may well accelerate from there. Although the the due diligence process will will take a while longer, I imagine. So it is going to bust up against planning for the summer, even if we got a bid accepted next week. There's a game on Thursday, and uh, Brighton That's, away. There always is. We get knocked out of the Europa, and we're still and on fucking still Thursdays. Games on fucking Thursdays. Somebody is yes. taking the piss somewhere. I don't know yeah. why we're playing on Thursday. I, it's not even the last Thursday game of the season because we've got a game against Chelsea on that Thursday as well. Chelsea on Thursday, which is annoying because it's also a Jewish holiday. 
And my best two of my best mates, we married each other, which when that happens is actually incredible because you have no control, obviously, over who your mates might bring home. So when they marry other mates that I have found makes life just that two of my best friends married each other. And that makes life quite a lot better. And one of them, they have a son, it's his bar mitzvah next month. And he's a United fan, so he wants me to take him to a game. And I had earmarked Chelsea, and I had earmarked the semi-final of the Europa League. And there isn't the semi-final of the Europa League, so he's not going that. And Chelsea is on a Jewish holiday now, so I personally irate about this. But, yeah, the Thursday games, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sulking also because I don't currently have a Brighton ticket. But that's that's a difficult game, and... I yeah, mean, that they put in quite. I mean, to go, they played Wolves obviously and made loads of changes and battered them. The Wolves have been better recently. Yeah, Brighton been a little bit inconsistent. I mean, obviously we squeaked past them, but they lost. They lost last week, the week four. But yeah, completely destroyed Wolves. Would you pick Danny Welbeck in this United team? Do you think he would get into this United team? I think he might. <laughs> I mean, that's uh... the thing of Danny Welbeck is. I, I always liked his. His sort of movement and his touch, his great first touch, and his sort of general intelligence on the football pitch. I didn't like the fact that he couldn't finish, really, except for right, some, but he's a, so a few excellent strikes now and again, and he was never bloody fit. But he, yeah, he's never fit. That's true. But that's, I was obviously, I would not prefer him if he was not fit. But he, like the things that you said, actually, are not that dissimilar to Val Vekos, and he's a miles better version of Val Vekos. Oh, God, Val yeah. Val is. No, no, true, true. Although I'm not sure that I've forgiven Danny Welbeck for ce- celebrating like a madman when he scored for Arsenal against us. Uh, it wasn't exactly like a madman, but he did celebrate the goal. But I think that's what's meant to happen. When Mark Hughes comes back to Old Trafford for the first time, and that's someone who had played at United since he was a kid, two spells at United, won all sorts. He scores for Chelsea in that, that two-wall draw where there's a fight in the tunnel and Ole scores yeah. for an equaliser at the end. And he's calling his new teammates over, like beckoning them over to the corner. He runs to the corner, and like the, the north northeast quadrant there. And I, I, I don't really object to that. I just you don't play for us anymore. But yeah, I, I, I don't bear well back ill will for that particularly. Bearing more ill will for missing that chip against Bayern. Yeah, I, I mean, I fully don't agree with players not celebrating. You're playing for a different club. Enjoy it with your fans now. That the I think he gave it just a little bit extra, which seems anyway, whatever. Mark, Sel- Mark, Mark Selby's just made the 1 4 7 in the snooker final. You love Mark Selby. I I don't really follow snooker particularly. So, Mark Selby is one of the greatest competitors in all sport who has, and one this is one that he has the, the attacking game, but also just probably the, the best tactical game amazing under pressure and I also feel like I've got a special relationship with him because he was the the first time I think I saw anyone beat Ronnie O'Sullivan in a match that really matters when Ronnie didn't when Ronnie was played really well was in the 2013 final when Selby came from miles behind to beat him and while that was going on Chris Stambul was happening at the same time and just that was just a, just a great tremendous afternoon evening's entertainment and so even though I wanted Ronnie to beat Selby, I just Selby and doing that whilst Liverpool drew with City and, and with the Palace and what's his name and Suarez cried. Just yeah, I kind of I'll always have that special affinity for Mark Selby. But also, he's been really struggling with mental health issues. So to see him getting a standing ovation and smiling his ass off is gladdening my heart right now. 
Very good. Well done, Mark Selby. Yeah, Thursday. I mean, probably more of the same from United. It's uh, it's not like they created a lot against us in the the semi final, is it? I mean, the tactics were about right. And they Ten Hag swapped it up a little bit today. United went quite direct at times, trying to bypass the Villa midfield. That might also work against Brighton because they had what sixty percent possession in that semi final. They do keep the ball a lot. But um, it's also because of where they keep the ball. And you know that like, they, they try and keep the ball with the goalkeeper, the back four, because they're trying to bait you in and then press yeah. it and then move into the space. Yeah. So there'll be those phases of the game where you're trying not to get baited, where they're just passing it backwards and forwards. So they don't get loads of threatening possession, but they're a team with good players where everyone knows what they're doing and they're doing, they're executing a plan and they're doing a good job of it. Yeah, no, that, that's right. The, the the average possessions in the high fifties with Brighton, but the field tilt or their share of possession in dangerous areas is is much lower. They uh, yeah, yeah, that's very true. So I mean, I, I I I have no reason to suspect this is anything other than a, a very tight game that will come down to details. Would you take a draw now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't take a draw, but if we ended up with a draw, that would be acceptable. Do you remember? Do you remember that end of the season game at uh, Brighton that we lost? I think it was maybe the season that they came up. What's his name? Glenn, Glenn Murray score, maybe. Right. Well, it was, Mourinho. Uh, Mourinho lost 3-0 played, something like that, wasn't it? Mourinho played Rashford and Martial together, having something that he never did. And then they, they didn't play well. United got beat. And Mourinho was like, ah, ha, ha, see, I fucking told you they were shits, basically. And that was just one of those times where it's just, this is really going to go very wrong quite soon from here. And then I think it was the beginning of the next season we played them again. And that was the first time people wanted him to play Lindelof and Bailly together. And he did. And it was a total disaster. And I, I was in the press box for that game. So I ended up going to the press conference afterwards. And just actually felt quite sad. Mourinho was just so deflated. This man who was just like so full of power and arrogance and ego and bristle and bronca and injustice and all this shit. All the good stuff. And he was just so sad and weak it was actually quite depressing <laughs> Roma dropped out of the Champions League places in Serie A it's, uh, it's very tight but there's no guarantee they're going to make it what a shame that would be for Mourinho if he didn't I don't bear it. Mourinho or Will although he did obviously like do his best to like yeah act terribly at the end so that he could get his payoff, presumably. But yeah, I mean it yeah. always feels like that. It always feels like that with him. It does, doesn't but, it? But but there was some time. There was a few fun times with him, I guess. But he was yeah, he was obviously the wrong man at the wrong time. But in some ways I don't object to the fact that we tried to see if we could make it work with him. But he was too far gone for a United to rescue him from himself. Yeah. And that's I mean, to bring it full circle back to the the takeover chat, like whoever ends up in charge here, Ten Hag needs the right kind of backing. I mean, he is clearly the best, the best part or best hope for United's revival. And and I know, well, in fact, I know that he is much in demand. So, yeah, they've got to get this right and soon. Otherwise, he's going to have plenty of other options. Yeah, it right. feels like if we could stretch to, say, two or three players for him, and then you should be... A, I mean, we say this every summer, but it does feel like this summer. 
we should be able to at least sell to the value of one player. If you sell Maguire and McTominay, then that's, you should get a player out of that. Yeah. And I'm not saying they even particularly want us to sell McTominay, but someone is going to have to leave in the midfield. Yeah. And it feels like the most likely person to leave is him. But just him, even if it's Fred, Fred and Maguire, him and Maguire, you sell one of those, you sell one of those and Maguire, you should get 50 million quid. Yeah, and it, it may well be sell to buy, not just for FFP purposes, although United aren't right at the limit, but because if, if the takeover is still dragging on by the time it comes around to June, and it's there's definitely scenarios, uh, who's going to sanction the spending exactly? So, Well, I guess you might have a situation where if it hasn't been sold by then, that both Ratcliffe and... And, and Kata say we will bankroll the transfers this summer. Yeah, if if they look like they're likely to close the deal. Yeah, All right. They, they, if they, yeah. I guess that's it this weekend. Backers, we're going to talk about the the women's team who could well do the double. Please. 